Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kilowatt. My name is Bodhi, and I am your host and... Oh, man, do I love the listeners of this show. Let me tell you, first of all, there's a lot of new listeners, and so I want to welcome everybody, and I want to say thank you to new listeners and old listeners and the Patreon supporters, but why do I love the people who listen to this show? Well, because uh, I had my first attempt at recording this podcast it was a technical nightmare, so I scrapped it. My second attempt at recording this podcast, I made it all the way through, and I was like, eh, let's listen back to this, and it was terrible, absolutely unlistenable, I had mush mouth, I wasn't pronouncing words right, I mumbled, which is a problem that I have, I went on these long diatribes that were not important, and are, were fairly boring, and this is saying, I'm saying that as the person who was talking about it. So, third time's a charm. It's been a while. The last couple of podcasts I've had to start over. It's been a while since I've had to do that. Usually I knock these out in one take, but not this week. So, um, without further ado, let's jump into this show, and hopefully it won't be too terribly long. The last iteration was 33 minutes. That's the goal to beat. First thing, um, things that I like. The things that I like this week, uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Amazon Prime Video show All or Nothing, but in the past they've uh, featured uh, an inside look into pro U.S. football players, franchise like the Arizona Cardinals, and I think the Falcons were another team that they did. This year they are doing rugby. I'm, I am a distant fan of rugby. It's hard to get rugby in the United States. Um, I've played rugby with a club twice in my life. And the first time, I probably was only in for a few minutes. Uh, it's hard to tell. It, it all seemed like it happened really fast. Uh, the second time, I was in for longer. But man, is rugby rough. And uh, it was not for me. I was a brand new firefighter. And I was like, I can't get hurt. I don't have any sick time. These guys are nuts. So, um, the new All or Nothing is about the New Zealand New Zealand rugby team, the All Blacks. It is really, really, really good. 
Highly suggested. It's really good if you get Amazon Prime Video. Next up, we have the contest. First of all, I wanted to thank all the Patreons for supporting the show because that's really important. Um, because I do appreciate everybody who contributes money towards this show. I, I appreciate everybody that contributes anything. Lots of people contribute uh, uh, little notes over email, things to correct, technically things to make better, that kind of stuff. But the Patreon supporters, they're the ones that put uh, the money out there that help pay for this show. And just in case, because we have a lot of new listeners, this, this Patreon isn't to go to pay my bills. Like, my wife and I make enough money, we can pay our own bills. The Patreon, the whole point of the Patreon is to pay for this show. That's it. So, the, it costs me about 20 bucks for the um, hosting of the podcast. And then, beyond that, I would like to get a website up and running and so once we m once we meet the podcasting goal host goal with the 20 bucks which we're about nine dollars away from that or so then we'll move on um to putting up a website and then after that i, I my number i think is between 70 and 100 dollars is kind of like the perfect place uh just total incoming because that allows me to buy new equipment if needed that allows uh, uh, save up of course but it allows me to buy software if needed that kind of stuff like the other day i think i spent like 130 dollars on on recording software and it was a it was worth the 130 dollars but it would be nice if the show supported itself and that's the only reason why i have a patreon so um it's not to pay the electric bill or my house payment it's just to pay for the show and that's it uh, let's see here. So we have a contest. We talked a little bit about it last week, but I am giving away a Dragon X, like a Dragon capsule, I guess, SpaceX coffee mug. It looks really, really cool. Um, you can win one of two ways. You can leave a review and just email me when you've left a review and kind of what it said. And it takes a while for iTunes to propagate. So I'll just believe you. Um, we're on the honor system here. Or you can become a Patreon supporter. So if you're currently a Patreon supporter, you're already in. So you've already, you're already entered. If you are, um, if you are neither, you've not left a review and you're not a Patreon supporter, but you do both, you get two entries. So we're going to do the drawing on October 5th. Um, there's patreon.com forward slash kilowatt is where you go if you would like to um, support the show. We have a $1 level, which is just you basically just support the show and you get whatever. Um, I try to post something once a week, um, something interesting uh, that will kind of add to your week and to your knowledge on renewable energy and solar vehicles or electric vehicles. And at the $5 level, you get that and you also get um, access to our Slack, and uh, let's see here. Oh, and every level you get it, you get some stickers. I'll send you stickers and a thank you note. So just so you know, um, yeah, we're doing the contest. Next up, uh, these are the videos. So I'll put in the show notes videos that I think are interesting. This is an uh, from Autoblog, 
the Bollinger Motors M1. Um, it's got a video of uh, that up that it, it kind of looks like a Jeep, kind of like a Land Rover, um, like a Toyota Land Cruiser, like old. It's a blocky vehicle, but it looks really, really cool. So I put a video of that in the show notes if you're interested. So let's start the show. Like I said, we have lots of new listeners. So we had like 20% growth in the last two weeks from where we were two weeks ago. So if you are new to the show, we do we break this down into three sections. Basically, the section you just heard was like the intro. And then we have kilobits, which is basically just kind of a little bit more information than headlines. And then we have the news, that, and we break into, you know, two or three articles um and we go a little bit more in depth and then we get out of here try not to waste a lot of your time so this is the kilobit section first stories from simon alvarez of Teslarati. the boring company is offering tours of their tunnel in hawthorne to schools in the la county the tunnel can accommodate up to 30 students at a time so if you're in the la county uh, school district Email student tours at theboringcompany.com or at boringcompany.com. I can't remember which one it is. Uh, but this is a really good educational opportunity to open the minds of young folks to the potential benefits of underground transportation systems. And then in turn, those young folks are going to go and tell their parents what they learned at the Boring Company Tunnel. And it kind of opens their mind too. This is a trick. I don't want to say it's a trick. This is something we use in the fire service. Um, in October, that's fire safety month. So basically, we go to the schools, firefighters go to the schools, and they give presentations to kids on fire safety, water safety, bike safety, that kind of stuff. And in turn, we give the kids usually little handouts and hats and coloring books and things like that. And the goal is for them to go home and tell their parents well, the goal is for them to have some awareness of fire safety, but for them to go home and have their parents, have them talk about this stuff with their parents and to remind their parents to do things like change your smoke detector batteries, um, you know, have an, uh, have an exit plan just in case there's a fire in the house so the kids know, um, have a meeting place, that kind of stuff. Basic, your basic fire safety stuff, wear a helmet, when you're on a bike, my kids, when I get on a bike, if I'm not wearing a helmet, my kids are like, Daddy, you need to put on a bike helmet, which is really annoying. I hate wearing bike helmets. But I put it on because I preach it. So, um, And just just as a, we're coming up on the, uh, the time of year that you would change your batteries and your smoke detector. So just as a little reminder, change the batteries in your smoke detector. And if your smoke detectors are over 10 years old, Throw those things out and buy new smoke detectors. If you live in an older house, you can, or any house for that matter, you can buy uh, right now. Okay, so newer houses, they're, all the smoke detectors are wired up. So if one goes off, they all go off. Which means if one has some dust in it, um, it's really annoying because they all go off and you don't really know which one it is. It's a real pain in the rear. Um, so that's that's great, but if the power goes out and your batteries don't work or you have your batteries out, um, that's not going to save you. So if your smoke detectors are up for replacement, they have these smoke detectors that have a battery that lasts 10 years, it's sealed. 
So when the smoke detector goes bad in 10 years, you throw away the smoke detector, get a new one, and it's a battery that's sealed again for another 10 years. It's a really good way to do this, and especially if you live in an older house and you're forgetful or you have that one smoke detector that requires you to get a 36-foot extension ladder to get up to the top to change, that's a good use. So a little PSA. Change your smoke detector batteries, please, please, please. So next up, Mark Kane, Inside EVs, NIO, I don't know if you say this, NIO, 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 I'm going to say NIO for the, the, the benefit of this podcast, but NIO is a Chinese automaker, and they are planning on raising $1.8 billion through an initial public offering IPO on the New York Stock Exchange. Right now, NIO is in a very early stage. Um, last year it has, or maybe it's so far this year, they've had revenues of $6.95 million and losses of $502.6 million. Now there's a reason for that. Um, the first is they've only delivered 400 and some cars. Let's see here. 481 cars um, out of the 4,989 non-refundable reservation holders so yeah then you know they're not making a ton of money at 481 cars but that most of that loss is research development spinning up the factory that kind of stuff so as they continue to burn through that 4,500 ish um, reservation holders left they they should you know start to make some serious money Right now, they have 17,000 reservation holders, but some of them are refundable deposits. So the non-refundable is really where I think that's the, uh, that's really where, I mean, non-refundable is non-refundable. You can get your money back. You may not be so inclined when it comes time to get the car. Be like, well, maybe I'll wait. But if it's non-refundable, you're like, well, maybe I'll get it. Uh, so according to their, to the company, it says NIO mainly plans to use the proceeds to be raised for research and development of products and technology, marketing and developing manufacturing facilities. So basically they're going to use the money to run a business. So FYI. Next up, uh, Fred Lambert, Tesla plans to open source it's security software for other automakers to use. If you don't know what open source is, it's basically they put it out there and they say, hey, this is yours to fork. It's yours to uh, you know, do your security research on. It's yours to put in your vehicles. It's yours to modify. And it's just out there. So Tesla puts the code out there and automakers can use it or not. One of the benefits of this is um, when Tesla, as Tesla's contributing to the code, um, security researchers are out there banging on this code and they can find the vulnerabilities or more vulnerabilities. So it actually ends up benefiting Tesla. It's not entirely altruistic, but it is a pretty nice thing to do. Elon was at, um, I think it was Black Hat or DEF CON. It was one of the hacker conventions this week. And basically he said uh, the biggest concern uh, for autonomous vehicles is someone achieving a fleet-wide hack. So he used a, a prank, for instance. He said that somebody could hack into the, the fleet-wide system and send all of the autonomous cars to Rhode Island. And so all these cars would go all the way across the United States to Rhode Island, 
Um, and he said, basically, Tesla would have a lot of people angry at it, and there would be a lot of, it would be the end of Tesla, and there'd be a lot of angry people in Rhode Island. So um, can't really blame him there. Um, I'm not going to go into all of the little nitty gritty that they talked about here. I did write some notes on it, but um, I think maybe we'll skip it to save some time. But basically, if the car is acting wacky, and this is their term, wacky, they'll have an override authority so that you'll be able to override the car if it's not doing something that you think is correct. So um, this is a very big concern for any auto manufacturer as these cars become more and more connected uh, to the cloud, which is that that server in the sky that you never see and you're not really sure what your information's doing up there. But one moment, I take a drink of water here. Okay, thank you. Next up, Mark Kane, Inside EVs. Tesla will install a 25 megawatt or 52 megawatt hour battery energy storage system in Australia. The system will be installed at the Lake Bonnie Wind Farm in South Australia. It'll be used to help stabilize the grid. It's going to cost about 38 million Australian dollars or 27.5 million US dollars. And it'll be the second largest installation, battery installation uh, in Australia behind the 100 megawatt, 129 megawatt hour installation they installed in 2017. One of the things that I find interesting in this article is it briefly kind of squeezes in there that it's going to help stabilize the grid, but it also says, oh, well, we'll turn it off during um, low cost hours of consumption, power consumption, and then during times, peak times, we'll turn it back on to sell that electricity back to the manufacturer. So yeah, it's gonna stabilize the grid, but it really sounds like it's more of like, a, kind of like, a, what's the best way? Like a, a self-service car wash, but that charges peak prices. Um, yeah, so I think this is good, don't get me wrong. And I don't know enough about it to say anything negative, although I've been told I've been negative, negative person. Um, I hope that it's used to to benefit the people of South Australia. Let's put it that way, because they have a a, a very um, I don't want to say inefficient. Their grid is having a hard time, so I hope that this system being put in is used it will benefit them and keep their electricity on for longer and make it more reliable. Let's leave it at that. Moving on, uh, Faraday Future. I have a Ver Faraday Future article nearly every week. And when it comes time at the end, I always cut it because I'm like, Faraday Future has no money. It's an interesting company, but they have no money. So to talk about them, is almost like, yeah, I really want them to do well, but they have no money. Well, now they have money. They've raised over $2 billion in, in funding to build it, their FF91 all-electric crossover. Now, if you don't know what this car looks like, it looks like every other electric vehicle, except for it's uglier, 
looks like every other electric vehicle that's supposed to be futuristic it looks like an egg now james from uh the patreon will will say that uh you have to experiment and yeah and uh and do something different otherwise people will complain about it and i agree with that because um i will complain about it both ways so but the faraday future ff91 is a really cool concept they have some really good ideas I think their vehicle is way too complicated what they want to do with it out of the gate. But if they simplified it, I think it's a, a really good offering uh, to the electric car community. So we'll see what they come up with. Right now it's in the process of validation. So they're validating the batteries, the thermals, the powertrain. Um, this is all done in Ohio. So hopefully once it, if it comes back with the everything's cool and it gets validated... Um, we'll be seeing these somewhere around 2018 for lucky 2019. Um, the car itself has three electric motors, which, which I thought is interesting because that is a little bit more unique. Um, and 130 watt, 130 kilowatt hour battery pack, which is, you know, pretty significant. So I wonder if it's 130 kilowatt hours because it's a marketing number that looks better than a hundred, which is what Tesla has. Um, if it's just not a very efficient system or if it's a heavy car and they needed to put that much battery in there to get the range, or if it's just this bad O battery in a bad O car and you're just going to get so much money bang for your buck with this car. And hopefully it's the latter, but, uh, we'll see. And like, it's, I think I said this earlier, I know I've said it in another podcast, but they have, they tried to build a plant in North Las Vegas then it didn't work. They basically went broke. Um, and then somewhere down the line, they got a little bit more funding and they bought a plant in California that was already an a man, auto manufacturing plant, which makes all the sense in the world. If you, I don't know why all these companies are like, we're going to build something from scratch. Why don't you, why don't you build a couple of cars and then build something from scratch? But anyway, um, so this plant in California, so it's really likely that we could see some FF91s rolling around sometime around 2018, 2019, and I'd like to see that. Um, so fingers crossed. So let's get to the news section. Almost done here, folks. Two more stories. Martin Tripp, um, he is either a whistleblower or a saboteur, depending on who you talk to. So if you talk to Elon Musk, he's a saboteur. If you talk to Martin Tripp and his lawyers, he's a whistleblower. So basically, um, he's accused of putting some uh, spyware on Tesla's manufacturing computers. Uh, he's in he's uh, uh, been accused of sabotaging equipment. He's been accused of feeding all this information, uh, unauthorized information to reporters, which he did do, I think. I think that's confirmed. Anyway, Tesla is suing him. He's counter-suing Tesla. Um, so here he is now. He has uh, taken to Twitter. And he's... Oh, and the other thing is... So he says he's a whistleblower. And I don't know who's right and who's wrong on this. So please don't think that I'm taking sides. Um, as a person... As a person, I think my personal opinion of Martin Tripp is not very high. However, that does not make him guilty. What I think does not make someone guilty. So make your own conclusions. Um, having said that, uh, so Martin Tripp 
fed all this information to a reporter. Tesla sued him, and he said, no, 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 I'm a whistleblower. Now, he didn't contact the proper authorities prior to being sued um, or right around the time he was sued. So I don't, that that makes it a little bit harder for me to believe. You should probably contact those folks first. Um, if you think something's going along, going around, something's happening that you don't agree with. Martin Tripp says that Elon, uh, excuse me, the Tesla team was uh, putting damaged battery cells in uh, to Model 3 cars um, and not doing any sort of testing to make sure that they're okay. T- Tesla's obviously disagreed with this. Um, Martin Tripp put the VIN numbers of the vehicles affected on Twitter. Um, I'm not... There... <laughs> There's a lot more to get the VIN numbers. Anyway, he put those VIN numbers on Twitter of uh, the potential cars that were um, affected by this battery module gate issue. So I'm going to take a quick drink. Sorry. Get very dry third podcast. Okay. So I'm going to read this long thing from their, his lawyer, Martin Tripp's lawyer. After observing the, punct- the punctured battery cell in the battery module from containment AR-622, Mr. Tripp asked the process technicians and associates, what happened to the battery modules within containment AR-622 and if they were scrapped? Mr. Tripp was told that instead of scrapping the battery modules, the technicians reworked, reworked, quoted, the modules by squeezing an adhesive into the punctured battery cell, then gluing a piece of clamshell over the adhesive. In doing so, uh, counter-defendant made it appear as though there was no internal or external damage to the battery. After being reworked the adhesive with the adhesive, the battery modules were returned to the manufacturing process line. Based on information and belief, no quality inspections were performed on these reworked battery modules before they were returned to the manufacturing process. Mr. Tripp personally observed technicians performing this process on several battery modules. So basically what they're saying is Tesla punctured these battery cells, which look like AA batteries, just larger. They punctured these cells, and then instead of throwing those cells out, they filled them with some sort of adhesive and then um, covered it up their work to make it look like it's a brand new battery. Um, from what I understand, once those cells are punctured, they're extraordinarily volatile and can easily catch on fire. It doesn't mean that they will. It means there's that potential. Uh, so... Tesla, Mr. Tripp released images of the alleged damage and then the reworked battery packs, but you have, we have no way of knowing if that, in fact, is what we're looking at or if that's just what we're being told what we're looking at. Uh, Tesla's response is, as we've said before, these claims are false, and Mr. Tripp does not even have personal knowledge about the safety claims that he is making. No punctured cells have ever been used in any Model 3 vehicles in any way. And all the VIN numbers that have been identified, all the VIN numbers that have been identified have safe batteries, excuse me, safe batteries. And notably, there have been zero battery safety issues in the Model 3. 
um, which, as far as I know, is true. Um, so, uh, man, I think most people on this podcast know that my general thought is always to side with the employee and an employer-employee dispute. Um, I'm still open-minded about it, but my general thing is I feel way worse for the employee when they're fighting a big company than I do for an employer. And in this case, I just don't feel bad for Martin Tripp at all. But again, time will tell and we'll see. Maybe it'll come out that, uh, he was right all along. And if that's, if he was right, I hope that that sees the light of day. But in any case, as the, this whole thing goes on, we'll get a lot of juicy tidbits to talk about on this podcast. Now let's go to the final part of the segment of the podcast, and that is Elon taking Tesla private. So Elon wrote a letter uh, to shareholders and basically and, and employees, which are shareholders, I guess, basically explaining in more in-depth what what he was thinking um, and why he tweeted out the information he tweeted out. So first of all, Elon thinks that this will be going private will be good for the shareholders. He says that on August 2nd, he notified the Tesla board that he wanted to take Tesla private at $420 a share. He wanted existing shareholders to stay with the company if they wanted to. So he wanted to bring existing shareholders into the private company. There was a meeting with the board's outside uh, directors to discuss the proposal. Elon and his brother Kimball did not participate, which I think is reasonable um, since they are, are uh, too close to the issue. Um, it's really important to note that Elon is coming at this as a shareholder and not the CEO of a company, of the company. So he is coming at it. How did he put it here? Let me see. He's speaking uh, for himself as a potential bidder of Tesla, is how it was put. Um, so after the, the board meeting, Elon was given the go-ahead to reach out to Tesla's largest investors discuss, to discuss their interest in going private. Elon made the announcement on Twitter because he didn't feel it was right uh, to notify only the largest shareholders of this plan. He felt that all, all the shareholders should know. And you could argue pretty easily that there's probably a better way to do it than on Twitter. You can also argue that Elon's pretty impetuous. So uh, the two things kind of kind of make sense. The funding security addresses the funding secured um, controversy. Basically, what he says is the Saudi Arabian Sovereign Wealth Fund had expressed interest in taking Tesla private several times to Elon. Um, they just did a 5% uh, buy of Tesla stock. They bought 5% of Tesla. And they have brought this up to him several times. The first in, I think, January of 2017. Um, although I did read an article from Reuters that said that the uh, Saudi, Arabians, Saudi Arabian Southern, Sovereign Wealth Fund had no interest in bankrolling Tesla to go private. But that was, uh, they quoted a person familiar with the matter, and basically, that doesn't mean anything. So it, it it may or may not be true. Um, I can't imagine that Elon would write this if it wasn't true. Um, just because it's a little harder to... A little easier for people to refute if it wasn't true. 
So um, in doing so, when he said funding secure, even though it wasn't really secure, did he violate some sort of SEC rules? I don't know. Um, the SEC is investigating, and they've subpoenaed uh, Tesla's some of Tesla's records to see if he did or didn't. Um, but Elon is currently speaking with other investors in addition to the uh, Saudi Wealth Fund, which makes sense. The funding will come in the form of equity and not debt, so no more loans. Um, Tesla doesn't need any more loans. Elon estimates that two-thirds of shareholders, current shareholders, will stay with the company if, if Tesla goes private. So there was a a $70 billion number proposed. That's what it was going to take to make Tesla private. Well, if two-thirds of the people come with Tesla to private, um, it's not going to be $70 billion. It'll be significantly less than that. And it would reason would say it'd be two-thirds less than that but there's so much that has to do with finance i don't really know if it's two-thirds so i'm not going to quote any numbers um elon and tesla have both enlisted the help of advisors to investigate the potential structures and options to make sure that this goes smoothly um i know that they hired a company that uh you that dell used because we talked about that last week um to help them go private so um, I've also read that it's kind of tricky, uh, but not impossible, to bring the existing shareholders into a private uh, holding, um, not just for Tesla, but for everybody. Uh, once, the, once Elon's crew has submit, or, excuse me, finalized and submitted a proposal to the board, the board will, will uh, review and evaluate the proposal. If they approve it, then it goes to regulatory approval. And if the regulatory approval is good, then it goes to the shareholders for a vote. Um, just a couple of notes is um, Tesla currently is working with Goldman Sachs as well as other companies. Um, but Goldman Sachs is a financial advisor for Tesla and they're evaluating the $420, like whether that's a good number or not, because it's a number that Elon just threw out there. Um, and then Tesla's stock tumbled a little bit after Elon's claims of funding secured, and then now the STC is going to investigate. But it's not a big deal. I don't think it's it tumbled that much. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. A lot of people, especially podcasters, are saying, well, when this happens, um, we're not going to have anything to talk about because Tesla's going to be like this closed-off vacuum. Well, that's not true. Elon gives us plenty of news every day on Twitter and then, you know, there's lots of leaked information, and I don't know that anything's really going to change other than we're not going to get the investors meeting, the annual investors meeting, which there's usually some good stuff there, and the quarterly shareholders meetings, which are some of my favorite podcasts to do. But other than that, I think it's just going to be business as usual. And with that, I somehow managed to take this podcast even longer than the last one. So let's end it. If you want to email me, it's Bodie at 918digital.com. That's B-O-D-I-E at 918digital.com. On Twitter, I'm at 918digital. If you want to just kind of see things that I post on the Patreon but don't want to become a Patreon supporter, after three days, those things come available. So you go to patreon.com forward slash kilowatt. And you can kind of see the things that I've posted. They're mostly cool videos that I found that are less than 10 minutes long. Um, 
that I think people that like this show might be interested in. And yeah, that's it. I hope everybody has a wonderful week. And I will talk to you on next Friday.